All right, we are starting a new series this Sunday. Uh, it is the uplifting topic of depression. Yay, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I, I went back and I looked at like uh, messages I preached on Mother's Day before, and almost all of them have to do with suffering. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it always seems to come up that way on my preaching calendar, that when I'm talking about moms, I'm talking about suffering. Uh, but this is a really important topic that has been on my calendar for a very long time to cover. Uh, and I didn't even know till this last week that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know, everything's got a month now. Uh, but I didn't know that May was Mental Health Awareness Month. So it works out really good that we're talking about it right now. And normally what we do here at Ascent is I preach through books of the Bible. And we just finished uh, 30 some odd sermons in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so what I like to do in between is sometimes take breaks and talk about some topical things that are important to us. And depression is one of those subjects uh, that if you are not affected by it personally, somebody in your life is affected by it. And it's also one of those things as a pastor, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells because I know how sensitive of a subject this is for many of you. And I want you to know that if I misspeak or I say something, uh, I didn't mean it. Uh, I love you. And I want you to feel love, not just by me, but from Jesus Christ in this, especially if you are the person that is suffering in this room. Now, I saw some statistics from Mental Health America, which are amazing to me, and it just shows you how widespread this problem is in our society. Uh, from 2019 to 2020, uh, prescriptions for antidepressants went up 300%, which is staggering to me. They also found from the 2020 census that 20.78% of adults have either experienced at one time an episode or are currently experiencing severe depression symptoms. That is over 50 million Americans, or one in five. So if we look around this room, odds would tell me that at least some of you in this room have or are currently suffering with depression. It says that the percentage of adults, and this is really concerning, the percentage of adults reporting serious thoughts of suicide is 4.8%, which totals 12.1 million Americans. Again, the statistics would tell me that at least somebody in this room has at one point or time seriously thought about taking their own life. Over one in 10 of our youth, that's 12 uh, to 17 years old, are experiencing depression that is severely impairing their ability to function at school or work, at home, with family, or in their social life. 16.3% report suffering from at least one major depressive episode in the past year. In the past year, 16% of kids 12 to 17 report having suffered at least one episode of depression. In the past year, 11.5% of youth, which is over 2.7 million, are currently experiencing severe major depression right now. It's not just one episode. It is their life that they live. This is very serious, and you can feel the heaviness in the room already, can't you? But that's exactly why we ought to talk about it. The church is supposed to be the place where we talk about the most important things in life. And I would love to come here and cheer you up every week with uh, cotton candy messages about how good life is. And we could do that. And a lot of you would come and you'd like to see me smile. There's a guy on TV who's uh, known as the smiley preacher. And more people watch him than anybody else. And the reason why is because he smiles all the time. But what I think is that Jesus wants us to talk about the things that are real in life. Jesus meets us in our suffering. And for some of you or some of your loved ones in this room, depression is that point of suffering that they are going through. Now, I believe that there are three causes or three different ways you can look at depression. Uh, depression is a physical problem, it is a psychological problem, and it is a spiritual problem. 
We're going to look at all three of those in this series. All three of them are equally important. We are, we are made up of our mind, our body, and our soul, the Bible tells us. They all are very important. I'm going to start with physical today and, and the fact that depression is a physical problem. And what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to you first. We're going to, we're going to go way back into theology. You guys are going to be a little bit smarter because I'm going to tell you that we ought not be Gnostics. We cannot fall for Gnosticism. And you say, what did he say? He say something about snot? No, Gnostics. We're going to talk about the Gnostics. And then we're going to move into a story from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19, about a man named Elijah who suffered depression. And his depression was based in the physical cause of depression. So let me pray for us. And pray for me while I'm praying for you, if you would, because this is a tough subject. Father God, it is no accident that all of these people are here today. You knew who would be here. You knew what I would be preaching on long before any of us got here. So God, I just pray that you would meet people where they are. God, I pray that you would help people hear what they need to hear, even if it's not what I said. God, I pray that you would make me a better preacher than I am. God, my only hope is that you would do that. My only hope is that your spirit would speak through me and to these people. And God, it is what I have faith in. I believe every time we open your word together, that is exactly what you do. Give us ears to hear, God. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Gnosticism is an ancient religion uh, long before Christianity was around. And what Gnosticism would tell us is that the creator of this world is actually not a good creator. He is an evil creator who has trapped us. And the way that he has trapped us is by putting us in physical bodies and in a physical world. And when you think about it, it does kind of make sense because I often feel trapped by my physical body. I would love to be able to dunk the basketball, but I'm white and I'm not even six foot tall. I cannot dunk the basketball. I am trapped by my physical body. Uh, As we get older, we begin to bald. We begin to grow hair in other places. And we begin to think, man, this would be so much better if I didn't have this physical body. Our physical bodies cause us a lot of issues. We can all agree on that. And the Gnostics would say, well, yeah, that's because the God who created us hates us. And the way that we get out of this problem is actually through death. When we die, then we are freed from this physical body. The body is the lowest of the things that make up a human. The intellect and the emotions, those take precedent, but the body doesn't matter at all. That's what the Gnostics would say. Now, we have two religions, especially Eastern religions, that are really based in Gnosticism, uh, the Buddhism and Hinduism. And in both of those religions, the, the ultimate heaven or the ultimate salvation is that you would cease to exist, that you would be unified with the spirit, whatever the heck that means, uh, In Hinduism, particularly, they say that you are reincarnated over and over and over again until you reach the point where you finally graduated and you can then not exist anymore. Why? Because your physical existence is what traps you. This is what Gnostics believe. And Gnosticism is huge in our society right now. It's all around us. Uh, When you look at the major political issues that people are dividing over, uh, not even just looking at what the issues are, but the reasoning and the logic behind the reasoning uh, is Gnosticism. We think of something like transgenderism. Uh, Not even a generation ago, it was called gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria was your body is one thing and your mind is another thing. So what we need to do is get your mind aligned with your body. Well, now that is completely shifted. Your body is what's trapping you from your true purpose. We need to get your body now aligned with the way that you feel. Because the way a person feels is really what is important about the person. Or we think about abortion. Now, abortion has had several different arguments uh, for it for 
you know, as long as people have been trying to kill babies in the womb. But recently, an argument that's come up that I didn't used to hear as often, but I hear it all the time now because we're so Gnostic, is that the reason why abortion is okay is because it's just a clump of cells. It's not even really a person. If you notice, they won't even call it a baby. They'll call it a fetus. Because you're not really a person until you've been given personhood, which I don't know what that means. But they're saying that you can abort the baby because right now all it is is a body. The body does not matter, in other words. Uh, And this has also led to a rise in uh, eugenics, which is very disturbing because we're not really that far away from World War II where uh, a man stood up and said that there was a whole class of people who deserved to be put out of their misery and die. And yet that's exactly what more and more people are saying now. Somebody is so mentally handicapped. They're suffering so much that the way that we love them is simply by ending their lives because they are trapped by their bodies. This is all Gnostic thought. Now, you might not know the word Gnostic, but that is what is going on behind the thoughts in our culture today. The body does not matter. Your feelings matter. Your mind matters. And what the Bible would say is that it's all one. The Bible doesn't separate us in that way. The the physical being of who we are was not a design flaw by God. He did it on purpose. He made us physical creatures in a physical world because that's the way that we were meant to be. And what is concerning is that Gnosticism has always affected the church. It's not just something that secular people do or other religions do. It has always affected the church. In fact, many of the New Testament letters that we read are the apostles writing and warning the people of the Gnostics who are trying to creep their way into the church. Uh, In fact, if you read the Gospels at the end, uh, you'll notice that they make a big deal about Jesus after he rose again eating. Like it'll say he ate fish, he ate bread, and you're like, why do they care so much? Well, it's because the Gnostics were coming and they're saying Jesus, when he resurrected, he didn't have his flesh. Clearly, he wasn't in flesh because flesh is so bad, he was freed from the flesh. And what the Gospel writers want you to know is that no, Jesus came and all of the things that we have as creatures, the fact that we have to eat, the physical processes within us, were the very same things that Jesus was doing, not just before his resurrection, but after his resurrection. And oftentimes in Christian churches, what we can do is we can think that our ultimate being is going to be floating in the clouds, you know, strumming on harps in kind of this disembodied state. That's kind of what I thought of when I thought of the end of everything. Or we even, we think heaven is the end. Heaven is actually not the end of it all. Now, I'm going to step on a sacred cow because I'm going to step on one of everybody's favorite Christian songs. A lot of you guys are going to want this sang at your funeral, and it's okay. We can sing it at the funeral. Uh, the song is not bad in and of itself, but it's the, the idea behind it that a lot of people carry. And that is the song called I'll Fly Away. Now, the whole point, some of you are like, I'm firing this pastor. But <laughs> the whole point of I'll Fly Away is that what you need is you need to get away from this dirty, infested world. You need to get away from your flesh. You need to, your spirit's got to fly out of the body, and then you will be freed forever. Now, the truth is, is that when you die, you will fly away, and you will be a spirit being. But that is not the end. In fact, those in heaven right now cannot wait for the day until the new heavens come, and the heavens are united with the earth, and there's the resurrection of the dead. And that means that they will be reunited in a renewed body. There's a great article. You can Google and find it. Uh, It's written by Chad Bird. It's a new article that I just saw this week. And he writes it from the perspective of somebody in heaven. And the title of the article is, I can't wait to get out of heaven. Which you're like, what in the world? What do you mean you can't wait to get out of heaven? And the whole point of the article is, yes, right now I am in heaven. But this is like a hotel room. It's a stopgap. It's a layover towards the final destination. Here's what he says in the final two paragraphs of the article. He says, why can I not wait to get out of heaven? Because heaven is not my everlasting home. 
It's like that hotel room where I stay while on the way to my new, lovely, perfect home. Oh yes, it is the best hotel room ever. No arguments there. It's complete with angels and saints and Jesus. But when the morning of the new creation dawns, I'll pack my bags and leave my key at the front desk and step down into the perfect earth with the perfect body that the Creator has provided for me. Won't you join me? Let's stand in our resurrected bodies besides the resurrected Christ and gaze upon the world of glory. The new Zion come down out of heaven to earth. We are embodied creatures. We were always meant to be. And at the end, we will be embodied creatures in an embodied world. And you say, why does all this matter? Because it makes a big difference in the way you treat people with depression. It makes a big difference in the way you think about yourself when you have depression. Because the truth is is that sometimes physical problems have physical causes. And that doesn't mean you're any less spiritual. You might be tempted to say things to yourself like, if I just had more faith, I wouldn't feel this way. Or you might see somebody depressed and say, if they just had more faith, they wouldn't feel that way. But that's not necessarily true. People who break their arms don't break their arms because they have lack of faith. They break their arms because their bones are brittle. And the reason why people have broken brains sometimes is not because uh, you know, they don't have faith, but because their brains are broken. It's the same thing. Number two is you, you might think, well, I just need to pray more or memorize more verses. If I could just do more religious things, then I would get out of this. But that's not always the case. Because sometimes if you're trying to cure something that is physical with a spiritual cause, all it's going to do is lead to more frustration. And the third is that you might begin to think that people who take medicine are lacking in their faith. And here's where I step on the first landmine. As soon as you bring up medicine in the church, half of the people want to stone me and the other half say, yes, please tell them that I can keep all my pills. And I'm not on either side. I don't want, I'm not a doctor. You need to talk to your doctor about these things. Uh, that's why we have doctors. I, I focus in theology. Uh, and when I hear other people who are not people who study the Bible all the time talking about theology, I think, man, that must be how stupid I sound when I talk about things I don't know. <laughs> and so when I talk about medicine, I'm obviously outside of my realm of knowledge. But here's what I will say. That people who wear glasses do not lack faith. They have a physical disability with their eyes, and they need to wear glasses so that they can see. And for some people, medicine is the glasses that they need to help them see straight. Now, if you are considering medicine, I would tell you, ask your doctor, what are the symptoms that come along with this medicine? What are the effects of this medicine? And I would not see medicine as my savior. And uh, the reason for that is because there, there are more people in this country on medicine than any other country in the world. And how are we doing? <laughs> are we just the happiest people you've ever seen? We are not. It is not just about medicine, but I also do not want you to think that anybody who takes medicine is lacking faith. Why? Because they're physical. And so there's physical solutions to these physical causes of things that we go through. We live in a world that has fallen by sin. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He's my favorite preacher. Uh, He died 150 years ago. I like dead preachers best because they can't disappoint me. Uh, When you idolize an alive preacher... You better be wary because they can still make mistakes. But I like reading the guys who have finished the race and they finished the race well. Charles Spurgeon did more in a year than I'll probably do in my entire lifetime. And yet his whole life he was plagued with depression because of physical illnesses uh, that you know modern uh, doctors try to uh, analyze now on the other side of his life, which is always kind of funny to try to see people, try to uh, diagnose somebody who's already been dead. But he had this problem his whole life. And here's what he says. He says, do not think it unspiritual to remember that you have a body. You do. You have a body. The physician is often as needful as the minister. 
And that is a good word from our friend Charles Spurgeon. Now, with that kind of as the background, I want to move to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. This is where we'll finish our time together. Uh, it's the story of the prophet Elijah. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, we'll put it on the screen. Elijah had this amazing thing happen in chapter 18, uh, this kind of height of uh, he, he threw down with the, the pagan gods and he won. And it's this huge moment of success. And then in chapter 19, we get the fall down. We get the depression and in chapter 19, we read this, verses 1 and 2. It says, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah, and Ahab's the king, Jezebel's the queen. They're the most powerful people in the country. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about psychological problems next week. But one of the things is that because of social media, it's so much easier to criticize people and it's so much easier to get criticism. But this is far more than any kind of rude Facebook comment you've ever gotten. This is the, the most powerful person in the world saying, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. That sometimes would probably lead to depression. And that's exactly what it does for Elijah. Verse three it says, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. That's a big theme that we'll pick up on later. One of the ways I would define depression is that it is a journey in a wilderness. In the wilderness, you often feel that God is far away and Satan attacks the promises that God has made to you. That's a big theme throughout the Bible. He went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Some of you might have a problem with the Bible being that real, but it is. He says, I would rather be dead right now. And the Bible has this all over it. We often only talk about the happy verses, but there are a lot of verses of people who are suffering, who would rather be dead than alive because they have sunken so deep into depression. And in fact, there's a whole uh, book called Lamentations. It's a whole book about a very depressed guy. It's a very uplifting read. If you'd like to read this afternoon something with your mother. <laughs> the largest section of the Psalms, which is the biggest book in the Bible, are the Psalms of Lament. Uh, in Job, Job 3.1, he says he wants to curse his life and die. And then we have this beautiful section from Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah 20, 14 through 18. This is in the me message paraphrase. Uh, he says, curse the day I was born, the day my mother bore me a curse on it, I say, and a curse to the man who delivered the news to my father. You've got a new baby, a boy baby. And then he puts in parentheses how happy it made him. Like he's, he's like, oh, I'm glad my dad was happy because I've never been. <laughs> Let that birth notice be blocked out, deleted from the records. And the man who brought it haunted to his death with the bad news he brought. <laughs> he should have killed me before I was born. With that womb as my tomb, my mother pregnant for the rest of her life with a baby dead in her womb. Why, oh why, did I ever leave that womb? Life's been nothing but trouble and tears, and what's coming is more of the same. How encouraging for this Mother's Day. But it's real. Some of you are uncomfortable with how real the Bible is. But that's what life is all about. We live in a sin-fallen world. And so we ought to expect that sometimes these things are going to happen, and it's not a lack of of your spiritual faith. It's just a part of living in this sinful world in physical bodies. So he prays that he might die. Verse 5. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. You know you've got to be depressed when you're running for your life 
And you know that you've got to keep running if you want to stay alive. And the only thing you can do is lay down and sleep. And I know that some of you have been there. Where you know you should get out of bed or you should be doing things, but you just physically cannot do it. That is what depression does to people. Continuing on in verse 5, it says, Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, Get up and eat. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, Get up and pray. He doesn't say, Get up and have faith. He says the most physical thing you can say, Get up and eat. Now, when an angel comes to you and tells you to get up and eat, what do you think the angel would say? Now, I would think the angel would tell me to eat something healthy, like carrots or something. But but that's not what the angel says. Praise God. Look at what he says next. What are we supposed to eat when we are depressed? Verse 6. This is going to encourage some of you. Some of you came to church for this verse. Verse 6. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. Give me the carbohydrates, baby. That... Is what I need when I'm depressed. In the King James Version, it calls it cakes. It says there's some cakes sitting there, which is why we have cakes on the way out. Now, I I will say, you know, this could go a little too far. If your total diet is cake or, you know, foods that end in Edo's, that might also be the cause of your depression. You might want to balance it out and eat some broccoli every once in a while. But what we need is we need food. And there is something about food that does something to our soul. This is physical. So, So he ate, drank, and lay down again. What did, what did God tell him to do through the angel? He said, I want you to eat some carbohydrates and I want you to take a nap. Isn't God good? That's, that's what every Sunday is supposed to be. You come to church, you eat some carbohydrates, and you take a nap. For me, I like to turn on the NASCAR race because I really haven't missed much when I wake back up. I just kind of reorient myself. Okay, there's 10 laps left. All right, now I'm good to go. Some people like to watch golf. I don't care what you do. The point is you ought to take a nap on Sundays. Verse 7, it says, Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Notice it says that the strength from that food. One of the things about remembering that you are a physical being is remembering that you are a finite being. You only have so much strength. And the reason why a lot of us in our society are depressed is because we work ourselves to the bone. We try to take the entire world on our shoulders, and we think that we can carry the world. And some of you are very strong, and you can carry it for a while. But we all have a breaking point. We all run out of strength eventually. And we are not the saviors of the world, and we have to remember that. In fact, when the savior of the world did come, Jesus in the flesh, you know what he did? He took naps. And if Jesus takes naps, then you ought to take naps also, because you are a human created as a physical being, and you are finite. You only have so much strength to give. Verse 9, it says, He entered a cave there and spent the night. And that's every introvert's favorite verse. I'm going to the cave and spending the night. Do not bother me. But I think there's, there's something very important even in that. And that is sometimes when we are physically depressed, we have to get away. We, we have to get away from our normal way of life. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of the things he told his, ch- his children, uh, his uh, disciples, the people that were in his classes, was that when you're facing depression, oftentimes the best thing you can do is to get away from where you live and go somewhere where the sun is shining, to which I would say a big amen. There's something about the Florida beach that does something for my soul. There's something about the Colorado mountains that does something for my soul. You know why? Because I'm a physical creature in a physical world. If the band wants to go ahead and come back up, I'll end this way. This is our greatest hope when it comes to our flesh, when it comes to the depression that is caused by physical causes, and that is that Jesus himself came in the flesh. And the scriptures tell me that he suffered in the flesh. 
And if we are in Christ Jesus, we ought to also expect to suffer in the flesh. Your suffering might not be depression, but you will suffer in the flesh because it is a fallen flesh. But the good news is, is that when that flesh went into the tomb and died, it came out a different flesh, a renewed flesh. And just as I will go into the tomb with this old body and it will rot and it will decay away, and Jesus will then one day resurrect me just as he was resurrected himself with a brand new body in which all of the tears that I have cried, all of the depression that I have experienced and you have experienced will be wiped away and forgotten forever. And that is what we place our hope in as Christians. There is no hope beyond that. The only hope we have is that our Savior would come and renew us to the way that we are supposed to be. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the 25 minutes that I get on Sunday, there is no possible way that I could adequately cover something like this. But God, I pray that today, if nothing else, that somebody was encouraged that they are not broken beyond repair. That because they feel depressed is not necessarily because they have a lack of faith or because they're not faithful to you. But God, that they would be able to be honest Honest with you and honest with us about what's going on so that they might get the help that they need. God, that we could see if there was maybe physical solutions to these physical causes of depression in their life. God, I pray that this would be a safe place where we would always welcome people to speak freely as Jeremiah does, as the Psalms of Lament do. That we wouldn't turn people away from the real things in life, but that we would meet them in their suffering as you have met us. And friends, if you would, with your eyes closed and head bowed, just take about 10 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message?